The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Schmozone Podcast. This is episode number 57. I'm Helen Yee with Helen Yee Sports. And as always, I'm being joined by the one and only... Uh, David Schmolenson. A.K.A. The Schmo. So we are here in Philadelphia, another week traveling on the road doing another podcast, which is probably why I decided to take the mic again, right? Helen, I don't even know what city we're in. We are going all over the place. New location, new week, another podcast, another road show, but the podcast is another week. Podcast studio is another week closer to being done, and I can't wait to settle home. I know. I can't wait to let you guys in on everything that's kind of going down, but hopefully within, I would say, the next few weeks, it should be ready right i mean that's what this march month my birthday month we are building we will get it all set and then by april things will be completely under swing but uh hey we could even start this month in march too i just like the progression helen i love the progression yes as long as you're always moving forward no matter what speed but david's not listening right now his birthday is march 13th so wish him a happy birthday or the schmo I appreciate that. I guess that's next week. It's yeah. crazy. That means that we've been going through this circus of a world we've been living in through a year now with the craziness. I can't believe it's been a full year we're approaching. But uh, craziness there. But hey, let's talk about the positive here. We're in Philadelphia. I know. It, it's been a crazy, not even 24 hours that we've yes. been here. And the reason why we waited the, to do this podcast is because we knew we were coming to Philadelphia to interview our, our guest today, the underground king, Eddie Alvarez, an OG, a legend of the sport. Don't worry. We're heading back to Vegas. We will be there at UFC 259 cage side to watch it all go down. But we just uh, made a little pit stop midweek. Yeah. So basically to give you guys a behind the scene look at kind of what happened today and our very eventful day. Uh, we went to go interview Eddie Alvarez. So you interviewed him as the schmo. I interviewed him as myself, of course. And then after the interview for the podcast, he kind of wanted to do something a bit different and asked us a couple questions about ourselves behind the scenes. Yeah, you know, uh, Eddie's a great guy. There's a lot that goes on to these interviews before them what we just show you on the camera is the schmo or Helen and stuff like that. Like we wouldn't be able to interview these athletes if we weren't able to build a good rapport with them. So we built a pretty good rapport with Eddie over the years and he wanted to go on the podcast and start off just asking us some questions. So that's how the podcast starts off. And uh, we do have great full interviews with him. Also Helen does the schmo does uh, check those out as well. But Eddie's just such a great dude. And the guy's been in this sport for, what, 17 years? So much to say, so much insight. Fought all the who's who's, especially in the lightweight division, who's competing and relevant now. The Justin Gaethje's, the Dustin Poirier's, the Conor McGregor's. Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler, RDA. He's fought them all. Anthony Pettis. Yes. Yeah, so the, he's the who's The who's. list goes on. Yeah. 
So we don't want to reveal too much about what went on in his interviews with us individually, as well as this podcast, because they are all completely different. But what I will reveal is what happens even after we film the podcast. Yes, we'll get to the behind the scenes in a second. Let's talk about the sponsors, though. Let's talk about it. Uh, Let's start off with this. I wear it. I'm wearing it right now, and it's actually right here because this is the couch and our hotel (laughs) room. If you're sheath underwear, I've been talking about them a lot. The most comfortable underwear in the world. And since I have my used underwear here, I might as well show you. This right here, this is the game changer. This is the dual pouch right here. This separates the balls and the shaft. Your life will never be the same. Don't worry, there's no stains I checked. So, uh... This is super comfortable. Nice little fun design here. Sheath underwear. Use the promo code SHMO. Get 20% off at checkout at sheathunderwear.com. You will not be disappointed. And the other sponsor for today's show is Fusion CBD products. The best CBD products in the world. Love using their stuff. Uh, the CBD gummies, my necessity for traveling right here. Yeah, I know it took them before you got on the plane, right? Yes, of course. Relax you. Uh, loved their sleep stuff as well. Their CBD sports water. Didn't bring it because you cannot bring water through TSA and it was carry-on. But check them out, fusioncbdproducts.com. Use the promo code SHMO to also get 20% off there. You won't be disappointed. So that's a little housekeeping there. Uh, behind the scenes story, are you going to talk about our Uber driver? <laughs> Our Uber driver. That's never happened, at least in my lifetime. I don't know about you guys out there listening or watching right now, but it was uh, really strange. So Eddie gave us a great recommendation for lunch. And uh, so we take an Uber there. Um, Where where, where do we go to lunch, by the way? Gall and Company Malt House. Great, great sandwich. Steak, Philly steak, cheesesteak. Amazing. (laughs) Um, On the way there, our Uber driver literally had to pick up a call because he was talking to us mid-conversation hold yourself together helen and he literally had he literally had a job interview on the ride they called him he took the call and it didn't press the phone to the air it was bluetooth so you could hear it through the speaker he's like sorry guys i need need to take the call yeah before he even answers or answer the call he's like guys i need to take this call i need to take this call so our uber driver answers the call it's on bluetooth it's blasting on speaker he's getting a full-blown job interview they're literally asking him what his salary expectations are literally all the personal stuff he's answering it right in front of us meanwhile we're going to this lunch spot the neighborhoods of philly our first time here Everything looks the same. The guy gets lost on a one-way street. There's construction. We have to wait an extra 10, 15 minutes. Then he's literally backing up on this one-way street, literally probably 600 feet at least while doing this interview, talking about his background information, about what position title he wants. Oh, it's talking about the title he wants because I don't know if he was talking to someone who was... um, like one of those brokers that puts you in job placement, one of those firms. Or was it the HR person? Or an, it was an HR person. I don't know. I mean, we work for ourselves. I yeah. Corporate America. I haven't been in that in a couple of years. But whoever was doing this job interview with him must have been thinking, what what is going on with this guy? He sounds distracted. You could hear the, uh, the construction <laughs> going on, the map in the background telling him he was he was not on par for the Uber ride. What an experience, by the way. Uh, yeah, job interview uh, while taking us to the restaurant. Great restaurant and, we ate at, by the way. Oh, it was amazing. Shout out to that restaurant. Um, and their 
basically was like a Philly cheesesteak, like a twist on a Philly cheesesteak and their buffalo cauliflower wings. Amazing. But last thing I want to add about their um, the Uber driver, when we when he first picked us up, we try to put our camera gear in the trunk. <laughs> do you want to take it away? On well, the trunk? there was just nothing. You couldn't do no, anything. It, it was filled like to the brim. Tools, tool chests and stuff and, like that. And then I was, he was like, oh, you know, I could put a towel because it was like filthy. And, you know, we have camera equipment. So then I'm like, oh, we'll put it in the front seat. <laughs> I walk over and I look through the window, filled to the brim on the front seat. Well, to his defense, he says he does this part-time. I can understand. <laughs> well, he's looking for a full-time job. That's why he's doing the job interview. But it's all good. You know, look, um, you know, to each their own. Got us there safely. Five-star review. Doesn't yeah. matter. Don't worry. We tipped him, and we wish him well. Hopefully, he does get that job. And I'm just laughing because it was a wild experience. Like, never in my life did I think I would be in a car with someone I just met for five minutes and listened to their entire job interview. And it, it was, uh, it, it was like you had to be there yeah, to witness. You did, you did, but it was a great experience. Great interview with Eddie. We'll get yes. to that shortly. Let's talk a little UFC 259, right? Of course. Why not? Triple header, right? Three title fights going down on the line. The main event, who doesn't, it, who isn't anticipating Israel's move to that 205-pound division fighting the current champ, Jan Blahovich, and then Pewter Jan, Aljamain Sterling. And got to interview Pewter Jan right before we left for, for yes. Philadelphia uh, Monday night. Great interview. Uh, his English has improved. Syed, his translator, he's the man. That guy could speak like four or five different languages. He speaks Mandarin too. He's, I was so impressed. He he is he is a great translator, and um, it's so good because you when you're when you're talking to Pewter as the schmo, uh, there's the language barrier. But with with a guy like Syed who who understands the shtick. I can speak longer and I can exaggerate more. So it's not like I have to dumb down the questions or water it down or whatever, because Syed, however he chooses to convey it to Pewter, I'm going to, it's going to be worthwhile. Well, what I do notice is you actually really enjoy those interviews with the translator. Yes, because uh, in that type of situation, you know, I have to embrace the translator or the translator has to embrace the gimmick. It has to embrace the schmo. And I just get a little kick out of how they're conveying the message. I might not understand what they're saying. Obviously, I don't. I don't speak Russian, but I could understand the body language and different little pickups and social cues from the language. Like if he's only saying like six things and I just spent like, you know, three minutes explaining something, you know, he's dumbing it down. But if he's taking the time and he's, you know, showing him and just watching the facial mannerisms, it's, I just get a kick out of all of it. Yeah. Well, that is a great interview up on this channel right now, your YouTube channel. And I'm hoping to do another interview in Mandarin with Song Yadong, who fights Kyler Phillips. Um, it, and also Islam, he fights Drew Dober. It's crazy. Tiago Santos against yeah. Rakic. I mean, there this fight card is loaded. Dominic Cruz, yes, Casey, Casey Kenny. I I'm I'm really excited. Amanda Nunes is fighting yeah, Megan too. Anderson. Megan Anderson defending the title at 145. 
Do they have rankings yet for Featherweight at 145? I've been waiting for over a year on that. I know. I thought you were going to ask Dana. I've asked Dana. You have actually. I asked yeah. him. I asked him in December what was more likely to occur. They get rankings for the Featherweight division or, or they create a 105, yeah. what would it be, an Adam weight division? Adam weight for females? Yeah. What did he tell you? He said Adam weight uh, is something he's pushing. And he didn't answer it directly, but it's just one of those things where it's like, look, they're trying to build a Featherweight division. They're trying to build it because they have the greatest female fighter of all time, Amanda Nunez, capable of fighting in that division. And the Bantamweight division, 135, and she probably prefers to fight at 145, especially now that she's a mother. You know, she doesn't have to worry about dieting all the time, and she loves her food. How can you blame her? I love my food. You love your food. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we, we talk about how much you, I love if, my if food you with do, Eddie. If you don't love your food, are you really living? So, I mean, food, food's an important thing for us. So, there it is. So, yeah. UFC 259 is a great loaded card uh fights we just named him uh which one am i looking forward to the most out of all of them it's really really hard to say i mean it's so easy to say chalk and say the three title fights yeah. but it's just obviously i want to see those but i do have some extra juice behind watching Eljamain sterling and peter yan two people i really enjoy interviewing i love this bantamweight division i think it's one of the most competitive if not the most competitive division in mma and it's just so fun to watch these guys go at it and it could go in so many different directions and i stylistically those two are different and i can't wait to see how it all unfolds yeah very well said i completely agree i'm super excited basically for the entire fight card this weekend and we do ask eddie for his main event prediction which we're about to air here momentarily and the last thing that i want to say is uh earlier about the uber stuff if you're on the go you're on the hustle and trying to look for that job keep up the job search and never give up not at all i mean look we are here because we're grinding and we're willing to go wherever we can to create content every single week our Uber driver to that point yeah. has got to do what he's got to do. And that's what I said to him when he dropped us off. I'm like, look, I don't care at all. I know what you got to do. You got to make make ends meet. You got to hustle. And that's just the reality behind this. It's in life, there's no handouts. If you want something, you have to take it. You have to grab it. And my darkest days, like I had to seek so much inspiration. There's so many times back in 2016, 2017, when literally no one knew who I was, right? And no one who's watching or listening to this podcast would even know anything about me or Helen or not even care. Like we had to go through our struggles to get here and we still have to fight every single day to remain at the dinner table. So it is what it is. Keep your heads up. Eddie Alvarez. Let's roll it. Only fitting for episode 57 with the underground king to be in an underground room here in New Jersey. Thanks for taking the time. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, we literally flew in just for you. Um, last night was quite a journey, right? Yeah, but well worth it. Mid-fight week, UFC 259. But uh, when we have an opportunity to see the Underground King, we see the Underground King. Yeah, I was, I was shocked. I, like uh, We did a quick little interview, and I'm like, I thought we were going to be be here for an hour, hour, something like that. I got a massage book, but I'm like, let's 
let's get on. Let's let's shoot the shit and let's chat. Let's do it. Yeah, we just did an interview, the, a Schmo interview, a Helen interview. You might as well get in the podcast too, the Schmo's own podcast. Yeah. So like, I I had a question. I had a question for you, and I'm sure a lot of maybe a lot of people want wanted answered as well. Because like, a, as a fighter myself, like I also have to switch to another character. I I, I wear a lot of hats. I'm I'm a fighter. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm many things, and I have to continue to compartmentalize and be different people at different times of the day or of the month or whatever it is i wanted to like when i first met you i think it was in vegas we did an interview and i i didn't even know how to take it i'm like is this guy like is he fucking with me or like is he messing with me i didn't know whether it'd be defensive at first or be like get out of here it was like kind of threw me back and then the more i kind of read up on you and watch your interviews i'm like oh he he's creating a character i didn't quite know why but um you know you off camera you kind of explain to me what's going on and i want i wanted to ask you kind of when how difficult is it for you to get in and out of character because like what you guys don't see behind the camera is like dave pulls up i say hey what's up buddy we shake hands and he's like this normal guy and then boom the camera comes on he has these glasses on and he's like turns in this guy and it's it's fascinating. It's uh, I res- I respect it. I'm like, a little bit inspired by it, and it's something I have to do as a fighter. But like, how difficult is it like for you to do that? I'm definitely inspired by you. By the way, I just want to put that out there, and and people of uh, of your nature, just what you do for a living, the utmost respect. So for Absolutely. me to be a character and be the schmo, it's just like that's the simplest thing on the totem pole. But to your question. There's definitely days where you don't want to do it. You don't want to turn it on. But as you can t- relate, when someone locks the cage door and you're locked inside and you're staring across another line who wants to take your head off, I kind of look at the camera that way. When my glasses go on, when those yellow glasses go on, the bright lights are on, I have to perform. It doesn't matter how I'm feeling, if I'm not in the mood or whatever. I don't want to do it. If the lights are on, I have to perform, and that's just the mentality. And I would say that the times where I don't want to do it, it's mostly just to dress. Like I would rather just be in a t-shirt and sweatpants all day long. Helen knows that. I, just to put on the turtleneck, to put on wear a Rolex the and five gel. different blazers, to just to do up my hair. <laughs> I have to have the same freaking haircut for the past couple of years nonstop. You know, like a fade, a comb over and everything like that. I'd rather just shave my whole head or just let it oh, grow really? up. And I have done that before. I used to just not care. So, I mean, I'm a very carefree person and I'm very low maintenance as myself. But as this character, I ha- I'm like the polar opposite. So um, it's nice because I get to be behind a disguise of something else. So I, I guess the, throughout all the, any of the negatives, which there's barely any, the positives certainly outweigh it. Yeah. Do you ever like? Do you ever see a time like? Do you ever see a time where you're like, I just want to like, I want to be on camera and just kind of be Dave. I don't want to be. I don't want to put glasses on. I don't want to be the guy. Do you ever see like a transition where you're like, yeah cool character i hope it catches fire but i'm going to move over to this guy well i think i have other characters uh, in the works too if the schmo flops one day <laughs> oh, i got does. other characters yeah. uh but it's crazy too because you asked that like i only created it and we talked about this before because nobody gave me dave schmolenson a chance outside of anything of being a traditional sports guy and as this thing kind of stuck and took its own uh i always thought in the back of my mind you know i'll just transition and be myself and this will just 
be my way to get my foot in the door. But as this thing is kind of taken off and half of life is its own, I'm just going to ride it out because I think the schmo is more successful in a way being behind a character than just myself. So I'll ride the wave until it fades. And when it fades, I'll transition to myself or a different character. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and then we all do that, I guess, in a sense. And you, you enter high school, you're yourself. If it's not working, you kind of adjust. You know, you might, you might wear baggy <laughs> pants. You might do something a little different that's out of your character, per se. But, like, to kind of um, fit in and do, do what people kind of are catching on to or like to do. But, like, it, it was unique. And when, when I asked you that off camera and you said that, like, I had, I had more respect for that answer than anything. Because it, it was an honest one at, at first. And um, two, like I know, I know how difficult it is to kind of, especially in like a very competitive environment, whether it's media or fighting or whatever you're doing, how to just find a way, how to, how to be how can I be resourceful and find a freaking way, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes, whatever's in boundary and not, and and ethical. I'm willing to do whatever it takes, and I respect that. And, and going back to the interview you just had with Helen, which I listened to, when basically you're paying out of your pocket just to put on a fight in a gymnasium just to fill 75, 100 people, you're doing it because you look at the big picture, the big investment into what this is. You might be losing right now from your pockets, from your financials now, but the big picture of getting the reps in, getting the notoriety, of building up your resume to see where this sport can bring you, where your future can bring you, like looking at it from the big picture and putting in the work and not skipping steps the passion the hard work there's no substitutions for that that's what i respect the most about you and that's why you're still in the sport that's why you're such a legend and it all speaks for itself yeah and that that them times were difficult i did that was a time like the time you spoke of when back in 2003 i was still doing concrete work i was uh doing concrete work during the day and training at night and then sometimes doing two a days so I didn't I didn't see my wife much I didn't see my newborn child much and um, in fact when my wife was gonna give birth to my first my first son Eddie um, Dana White called for the ultimate fighter and um, I was I was stuck in a dilemma because you have to be on that show for six weeks you can't talk to your family you can't use a cell phone and my wife was so my wife's so on board with this fighting thing and always was and believed in the movement that I was trying to create that she was like go like wow. I was gonna miss, I was gonna miss the birth of my son to go after an opportunity to be on the ultimate fighter and and, and be on that show and we I made it all the way to the what the last interviews I went out to Vegas and did all of it I didn't make the show thank God I got to see my son born and uh you know and the fight gods pushed me another way. <laughs> but um, like having that relentless kind of um, mentality to be like, just to be like relentless in your approach for greatness or whatever it is you're trying to do, media, uh, fighting, athletics, friggin' chess, whatever it is. Chess. Yeah. He loves chess. So do I, yeah. Oh, we should do that. And, and, and she's, by the way. I have a badass board in my house. We got to play yeah, chess we, next we time. And uh, I didn't even bring this up, too. Helen is training for the 2024 Olympics. She was what a part trials? of the Olympic tri tri trials. She's got to uh, qualify for, for the swimming. trials. Yeah. For swimming? Swimming, yeah. You know, I won, I won the, sh the show 
uh, I went against Justin Gaethje's women. I won the Ultimate Fighter Show. <laughs> our, our we we got a swim next time too. Our challenge was uh, was a half a mile swim. Yeah, oh, for, for the ultimate. Wow. There it they is. They just threw us in there like, go. You, Justin, you guys swim a half mile. Figure it out. He had no formal training at all. I you I would YouTube swimming years back because I wanted to learn how to just be able to work out, get back and forth without dying. Yeah, yeah drowning. it's tough. So like I knew like half a mile I would just have to take my time. Yeah. And like he went like a bat out of hell and just like gassed and like all that. Oh yeah. And I was just like it's like the old man in the pool. <laughs> hey, don't underestimate those men because oh. some of them like they go on forever and they're fast. When I was training for the half Ironman, it's a 1.2 mile swim. It's just like the old man. It's yep. like okay, look, I'm half a mile in and it's barely just going. My rhythm is completely off. I I, I don't. It's it's crazy. Swimming is a beast of a sport. Yeah, it's amazing. My my goal when I swim is to not die. Yeah. Like, I have a very low standard when I get in a pool. I'm like, if I don't die here in this half mile, then I'll be good. But that's that's interesting. Yeah, how long have you been swimming? Uh, since I was five. And then wow. it's kind of a crazy story because... Um, and what... what um, event do you do what, what uh, 50 free 100 free yeah so i prefer like the long longer distance i'm like no because i'll probably die i like to sprint yeah. and then get in get out um so my former teammate he was on the olympics in 2016 we were like training partners growing up on my club team long story short um when I was 14, I wasn't able to swim any longer. Mm -hmm. I wasn't given a choice. It was like, you're done after Junior Olympics. And I always like strive to get top three. After not being given a chance uh, to continue swimming, I just swam high school three months out of the year. One state, my junior year, asked if I could swim any longer because I was getting college scholarships, wanted to go to U USC. And I wasn't able to. So then um, I took over 12 years off, kind of got a bit depressed because being an athlete was my identity, eat, yeah. sleep, train. And and it does take a mental toll on you. Like in swimming is a sport where it's like fighting year round. It's not a season, you yeah. know. So it's like my mind's always like, okay, next competition. How do I like your mind? You You have to be obsessed with it yeah you know and when i lost my identity because i i thought i would be an athlete forever i gained weight to 217 pounds wow. and then and it was a struggle <laughs> he's yeah. laughing he knows how rough like losing that weight he's seen some pics yeah, yeah. And, 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 and we're talking about dana white earlier dana white saw those pics i think oh, a, no. a couple months ago and he was just shocked that's you i mean i i guess i could show you when the cameras are yeah. off yeah the photos but um yeah, so David was like, come on, can you work out when we first started dating? Because I, for those 12 years, I was burnt out mentally, yeah. physically. And um, yeah, I was like, well, you know, my childhood dream, I mean, if I'm going to train, I, I want to be great at something. And I... Yeah. You don't want to do it halfway. No, exactly. In Olympic your, trials. It's not even in your yeah. nature. Yeah, yeah, I and I love training and so her strict Chinese parents forced her to quit at a young age. So Yeah, the first time it's yeah. been said on camera, wow. but that's why. Yeah, it's I never got a like reasoning why. So in the future and David and I have talked about it, you know, I wanna open a foundation to help kids who have dreams to pursue athletics. Yeah. So because 
it's uh it's very rough when you're a child and you have these big dreams and goals and to have it taken away from you like for basically no reason it's tough. yeah and you don't know yeah. how to deal with the, the emotions of it because you're oh, just not yeah. old enough to kind of to yeah. get through it yeah yeah wow that's wow. incredible well, yeah. thank you because now, <laughs> now now i need <laughs> no now it's like um now you, you have like an appreciation that like can't really be yes. by, by the other competitors like you your yeah. gratitude that's going to go into it will can you'll be able to compete at the highest level because of that yeah you know absolutely I mean? and and one other topic conversation uh we talked about this before just uh, the, you bringing this up that the juices the competitive juices they never really go away huge fighter that just retired habib Nurmagomedov, he's out of the sport um you think he's not done though you think habib's going to come back i did well the the um the old adage is all the greats come back. Like when you think about it, all of them, every single one of them that retired, they came back. Um, whether it was for money, I don't think for Khabib it's going to be for money. I think it's going to be he needs that. He need, he'd been competing all of his life that it's going to be very difficult to be a person who doesn't compete, especially if someone kind of stokes that ego or stokes that fire for him. And I'm sure someone will. Someone's going to, whether it's these new competitors coming up, maybe they're trying to, drag him back in, say something, get him fired up, um, and they will. So um, it, I feel like he comes back. Um, yeah. Not, I don't think it's going to be the, the Connor thing, but I think it's going to be for, for someone. Yeah, maybe somebody beats Islam, his teammate. Yeah, maybe I was just going to bring that up. Yeah. yeah, could be. Could be. But all the great, I mean, all the greats come back. And, and people want to watch them. You know what I mean? People want to watch yeah. them. Well, yeah. in the meantime, though, what do you think the UFC should do with the lightweight division, or do they create an interim? Because technically, he's still the champ. So, so like me, kind of knowing the the business aspect of the UFC, I feel like when someone makes the company hundreds of millions of dollars, they like the belt being around that person's waist, and um, they'll keep it there pretty long before they ever take it away. So like he has a better shot at keeping that belt and no one else, no one else getting it um, because of the draw and because of the money he could bring the company. If he was just a regular guy with 100,000 followers, this and that, or I'm sorry, the business yeah. where you're gonna get stripped, you're done and we're moving on to the next guy. But that's the way the business works. So like he has a huge following, he makes the company hundreds of millions of dollars. They're gonna keep that belt on him for as long as they can and define him as the champion, and I hope someone else, you know, comes out and emerges a competitor for him. Well, what about another uh, title fight going on this weekend? Um, Israel moving up to white heavyweight, and then fighting Jan. What do you think of him? Well, first moving up to that division, and then also how that fight plays out. I think I feel like uh, Jan. Jan has a lot of power. But it would be ignorant of us to think that Israel's never fought a guy with a lot of power. Um, he's a technical striker. He's a sniper. And um, he's fought guys like this and even at a higher level who are better technically than Jan. So, like, can uh, Jan knock out Israel? Yes. I mean, it's an MMA fight. It's four-ounce gloves. Yes. But I think Israel has fought a similar style a thousand times already. And um, he already has the recipe. He already has the um, 
the know-how to kind of get it done against a guy of his style. He's probably seen this style more more times than we ever seen. We got a big fight coming up April seventh on TNT One Championship. What would you like to tell all the underground fans? Yeah, so um, thank you guys for following me. Uh, whether whether you've been around for the two decades I've been fighting or for the last five years. Um, I just try to keep my, my fights always the same. High pace, violent, and try to show you guys something that you're not able to see on the rest of the fights on the card. Um, am I interested in winning? Yes, but I'm more interested in being as violent as possible. And uh, you guys enjoying your night and, and the entertainment that you get from it. He's Eddie Alvarez. This is episode 57 of the Schmozone podcast. We are out. Mm-hmm.